Hello, everyone, and happy Halloween, kind of. It is October the 26th, our last episode before Spooky Day 2022. I am Nick, joined by... Uh, uh, it is I, Yami Yugi. The wig didn't come in on time. <laughs> Let's duel. Do, 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 do. I play these three trap cards face down and end my turn. They could be anything. They could be anything. <laughs> they could be monsters rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and then I synchro summon this blue thing or pendulum. I don't know what they are. They didn't have those when I played the game. It's going to be a weird thing eventually if they ever do like another, uh, like, you know, Bonds Beyond Time movie where it's like, oh, and everyone crosses over. It's like the game's entirely changed. Does the Amiyugi only just use like regular monsters and the occasional fusion? Or does he step it up and be like, and now I spend five, five straight minutes playing combo pieces over and over again. Link summoning, synchro summoning. I play the Dark Magician, the strongest creature in the game with no support. I don't need it. Nothing can beat 2,500 attack power. I mean, you're not even going to, like, do the thing where you, like, fuse it with, with Red Eyes Black Dragon. You can do that now. Wait, oh, what? We on this. Oh, my God. I got to buy some packs. <laughs> oh wait, never mind. My grandfather owns a card store. I'll just steal it. <laughs> is that is that what would happen every time that Yugi upgrade his deck? He would just go in the grandpa. Back look room. over there. Yoink! You fool! <laughs> they chuckled to himself. I chuckled to myself. <laughs> Remember, I'm Yami Yugi. The wig just didn't come in on time. <laughs> Don't you know? I mean, like, it'd be ridiculous to assume that, uh, that Yamayugi's hair was natural. Come on. No. All those, <laughs> all that footage of him as a baby with that hair, it's fake. You think he had red hair, black hair, and blonde hair segmented perfectly? No. That kid was a crazy. stinky loser. I just inhabited his body. Anyway. <laughs> Nick, let's talk um, about some manga. Uh, well, you're the king of games, so I guess we'll do that, yeah. So, we are going to be closing out our spooky series month uh, with talking about Sankarea, uh, which is also known as Sankarea Undying Love, a series by Hattori Mitsuru uh, that is about... Okay, you know the movie Frankenweenie? Um, no, where the only movie you know, I know is Duels Beyond Dimensions or whatever you were talking about. <laughs> right, that one. Are you not, what, not even Pyramid of Light? Come on. <laughs> I don't believe that was canon. I don't know, what, what about the one with that was like for the first anime that had the... It was like Kaiba summons three blue-eyes white dragons, but, it, but he doesn't turn them into Blue-Eyes Ultimate Dragon. There's just like a chain monster thing that binds them all together. Mm, yes. And I vaguely recall this. It was a good time. There was that w Unless someone died in it. Mokuba? Did he um, die in it? I don't think Mokuba was in it. Good. He sucks. <laughs> Little nerd. Someone apparently died, though, because there was that one girl that used to hang out with their group that then just wasn't in the uh, second anime series. So... 
Anyway, uh, Sankarea is about a guy who's been working on a potion thing to resurrect dead creatures and people into zombies. Zombies? Uh, and he wants to use I remember when yeah. I dueled bones. Wait, that was Joey. But I was there. Was Joey. And I saw the zombies, so I'm an expert. And I kind of told him how to win. Yes. Just like I basically told Joey how to win all of his duels at first. Play Thousand Dragon! <laughs> Seemed to work most of the time. You just, Time Wizard, just do it. it. Although that is one of the few times Time Wizard did not work. So keep that in mind. Yeah, he just used shield and sword, I think. Of course. I taught Joey everything he knows. <laughs> like how to he, play cards. And if he ever forgets it, I'm coming for him. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so this kid's obsessed with zombies. Uh, his cat dies, and he wants to bring it back to life. Relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he uh, can't get the potion to work. But then there's this uh, well-to-do girl named Sankarea, uh, who is leads a very... I'm not going to say sheltered life, because that's not the life that she leads. Uh, but she has, comes from a very wealthy upbringing. Uh, and oh, everyone thinks that she's gorgeous and you know the the most amazing girl in school. Blah 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 blah. What's she doing hanging around with this loser? Well, it turns out that she's seeking an escape. She wants to start a new life away from her family, who are you know in complete control of her life. In particular, her very very disturbing father. Uh, and so she runs into our scientist boy whose name i have never bothered to learn uh and i don't bother to learn the name of most of my duelist opponents it's kaiba the gay one and the rest okay not gonna delve uh into that um um any further because uh, i feel like (laughs) i think it was all pretty obvious who i was referring to i don't know pegasus is canonically married uh to a woman so uh, well that doesn't mean anything i guess which one is pegasus uh the one with the eye and the long silver hair and the oh yeah he sucked (laughs) i crushed him little bitch (laughs) mind crushed him (laughs) boom and i'd beat him up in real life i saw him too yami yugi is kind of a bully (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the side of Yami Yuki wasn't <laughs> counting on. Like I, we've been over like though. It's like he's just like a weird psychopath for a lot of the series because it's just like and then I solved the problem by breaking mind my opponent's crush. mind. Yeah, but it's just like and then I beat the shit out of. Him. And then I started punching their kidneys. What card do you have as defense against that? None. <laughs> There's no card in the game that can defend against these hands. <laughs> Gloves broken. <laughs> I've got skeletal hand gloves, and I was so happy I found them. And I did not even bother to check before putting them on that one of them is insanely floppy. <laughs> Just like I need to like get it fixed anyway. So Rhea uh, wants to like begin her life anew, and so essentially, without a protagonist boy's knowledge, she secretly takes the potion. Uh, because she wants to be reborn as a zombie, as in start her life anew, separate from her from her family. 
uh, and uh, then when she tries to uh, run off, uh, she falls off of a cliff and uh, dies and immediately comes back as a zombie. And the rest of the series is about dealing with, okay, well, now that she is a zombie, uh, what does that mean? What kind of stuff does she need in order to, you know, stay animate? What does she need to subsist on? How is this going to complicate things? Is she going to retain her personality or is she eventually going to evolve into, you know, like a Hollywood zombie that's, you know, bloodthirsty for brains and stuff? Uh, meanwhile, uh, her and uh, the boy uh, gradually develop into a... It, it, this was all their meat cute, uh, so it's it's them getting closer emotionally. Uh, and um, there's a lot of sex stuff. The end. So what did you think of this of this manga king of games yami yugi now slash quinn nick obviously i did not read this series for i am too busy being the king of games but like okay. all things if you were to play a gar game if if, if i were to do this like i do most things in life i shall use the heart of the cards to determine <laughs> what i feel about this series uh, Draw. Well, let's, let's, let's hear it. yeah <laughs> it sucks <laughs> This manga blows. <laughs> it's just about an anime. Well, there we go. It's just about a zombie girl. And that's pretty much it. And it's like, not cute. It's just horny. You know? Yeah. They're the first sign that I had that this manga was going to just be bad was on like the, when we, like, the cover page for the second or third chapter was all the young female characters that have been introduced so far being basically stark naked, but with just enough like sheets covering their naughty bits that it was, you know, not X rated. And it was like, these girls are like all 15 and 16. Uh, so here we are. And uh, great. And there's a lot of bits of um, the girl will trip and her, her skirt will fly up. And the guy will be like, nice. Uh, or uh, her shirt will come open because they're out in the rain or she's fallen off a cliff and he'll be like, nice. Uh, and it's just a bunch of that. Um, there is like some stuff that you can talk about that is separate from that because of like all the zombie stuff. But it really does seem like it's like, no, no, that all just takes a back seat to all the uh, fan service stuff. So that's just kind of what it is. Uh, and a big feature of the series does seem to be, because the protagonist voiced it himself, that uh, he just really likes zombie chicks uh, and finds them, you know, sexier than alive chicks. And so this is like him getting his, like, yay, my hot, sexy zombie girlfriend who also just happened to be the most popular girl at school before she turned into a zombie. So yay for me. Yeah. Um, there's not a ton to say in regards to what this series uh, delivered at, at which point I read. I, I guess I need to stress the series. I, I assume it's complete. I, I shouldn't assume, but I, I believe so. Run ran for like 11 volumes worth. And mm -hmm. I think I got through about five of them. And like, I honestly, I may have read more. I can't remember. They reached a point where I really just had my eyes glaze over and nothing was retained. Like everything was just like, hey, she's this girl. 
she's being kind of like you know like oh there's a drama like her body's starting to stiffen oh we've dealt with that oh now there's a new drama this is going on and like in between that it's just like oh now she's wearing like a bunny girl outfit or oh now she's like laying on top of me and it's just none of that stuff is particularly interesting uh it feels like there's a very specific audience that like would probably enjoy this and it's like not me it's it's i'm 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 not in an age where i care about moe zombie girl drama and uh that's the series doesn't really offer anything more beyond it. i'll say the lead character sucks ass sucks ass he does he really does uh and i guess it's maybe intentional that he is there to undercut the drama of any scene he's in uh we are kind of like given the clue in that like our lead female character is has like depth to her as she like sort of screams out all of her problems into the darkness and then like in the corner of the panel the main character is in there like a little cat like i'm peeking in you're like how does this not take away from the scene like i and i guess it's just supposed to be both you get the drama of it and you get him being a little silly wacky and you're like all right but yeah i I truly just i can't i don't know it wasn't a series for me to say nothing of the truly horrifying backstory that uh, that that is involved in this girl's family life, yeah. uh, like there is very explicit um, mentions, uh, recountings, and indeed portrayals of like sexually abusive things that her father subjected her to under the guise of protecting her, which just makes it even creepier. And uh, for some reason, this guy like remains a character throughout the entire rest of the series and um, becomes kind of a good guy, which is like, come on, guys, like, can we not do this? Like, with my- just because he's her father, you don't need to- My man bathed with photos of her. Like, this is not a stable man. I don't know why he would get any kind of redemption. And I just assumed, like, oh, well, I'm going to eventually get to watch this character, like, fall off, like, a cliff and into a bunch of rocks or something, right? Nick, right? No, that doesn't happen. Uh, Like the card, bottomless trap hole. Does that uh, involve rocks, though? I think it just sucks you into an abyss. Or a trap hole, one of them. There's a hole somewhere. I've seen it. <laughs> There's a hole somewhere. I've seen it. Yami Yuki 2022. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't really have much more to say about this. I read about roughly about the same amount that you did, you know, several volumes. And then I just kind of skipped ahead to the ending of the last few chapters to see how things resolve, uh, which go very hard on dramatic stuff. And uh, I, I'm fully willing to believe that I missed out on all the character development that happened that would have potentially justified the extremely dramatic uh, culmination of the relationship between the, the lead couple. But uh, when it happened, I was like, wow, this is, this is a different step from what was going on. Uh, but it, look, I, I apologize if like, it seems like we may be giving an incomplete review of this, but honestly, the sheer amount of, grotesque content that was in the first half of the series was enough for me to decide it. it I don't like it. So, yeah, as I said, like uh, I wasn't going to be the audience for this, even if you like, even if I really was in the, for some reason, specifically like Moe zombie waifu girl, uh, like the, just 
amount of annoying content around it just makes it like an impenetrable series. Absolutely. But Quinn slash Yami Yuki slash Atem slash the King of Games slash I don't know whatever you're, you're calling yourself uh, right now. Uh, Big pop a pump. <laughs> Do it! Call every, me it! Every, every duel in Yu-Gi-Oh! Except instead of, it's time to duel, Yami, go, Yami goes, Holler if you hear Holler me! Holler if you hear me! Mind crush! And he puts them in the Steiner recliner. <laughs> Just as a, si- a siren playing the whole time. <laughs> Just the entire, bah, 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 but also with, <laughs> Never put sirens into your entrance theme if you're a wrestler. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. It's not fun to listen to. Uh, We have more Mog to talk about. So let's get it going with My Hero Academia. uh, Or should I say Elemental Hero Academia. Yes! You've stepped into my territory with this motherfucker. That's a reference. I understand. I don't. (laughs) I didn't play with those nerd cards. You've played against Judai. <laughs> Did I? Yes. I don't remember him. He was also in Bonds Beyond Time. <laughs> Sounds like you're making a character up. Nick, I'm not part of your fan fiction. <laughs> Actually, you are part of my fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Particularly 14-year-old me fan fiction. Did you call me Big Papa Pump in it? No, I didn't know who Big Papa Pump was when I was 14. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> he knew who you were. <laughs> oh, damn it. I've broken my headphones with my reaction. To oh, no. All right. <laughs> It's chapter number 370, History. Oh, boy. We get some uh, flashbacks to uh, bad memories for Spinner of uh, people abusing him for being a heteromorph, looking like a mutant, uh, looking like a lizard, uh, saying he's got filthy blood and he's defiled. And someone just like... (laughs) There is dedication to this hatred if you actually yell this hatred at someone. No matter how much society progresses, we'll never accept you and your kind. <laughs> like, Jesus, that's a horrible fucking thing to say. It's very brutal. Vindiction. Ugh. Uh, so this chapter takes place slightly before the battlefields received word of Dobby's defeat. So really feels like we should have gotten the, this chapter in the, or this set of chapters, I guess, that are coming up a while ago, like before all the Shigaraki stuff, and especially before we knew that Dobby had not been defeated and got back up, because now we're coming to a point after he was defeated, before people thought he was defeated, and before he got back up. So it's very weird to go back to that mindset. So, uh, Spinner's group but Nick, is going Don't for... you mean yes. Gaga Gigo? Do, 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 I'm not sure what do, you... Uh, 
I mean, the guy Amigo is a lizard guy. Dude, that's what I was referring to. He looks like a lizard. Okay, okay. And he does look like a lizard. Yes. Carry on. You know about the different forms of Gagagiko? I know all about the lore, all the stories. Don't need to recount yeah. them. I know them all. Okay. <laughs> he turns into a butterfly. Continue on. Not really. Uh, so, Kurogiri uh, has, of course, been captured and is in prison. And so, Spinner it, uh, has is kind of like going for this. Uh, all for one learned that Gurgiri has been being held in the hospital. They sent Spinner and his army uh, and a bunch of ordinary citizens who sympathize with their cause. A total of 15,000 people in their group, which is a terrifying number when you really think about it. Just that many people, a lot of them with quirks. Uh, and uh, they're facing off against a group of heroes. President Mike is there. Uh, Rocklock is there. Uh, and a few UA students are there. Uh, President Mike uh, decides he needs to shout, shout, let it all out. And uh, he tries to blast uh, a crowd of them away to do some crowd control. But one of them has got a quirk that just, I guess, works as a sound absorption thing. He just kind of shields everyone with his body, it looks like. Um, he nearly gets hit by a different uh, person, but uh, Coda uh, pulls him out of the way. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, where's Tentacle, Shoji? And they say, he Coda just says, oh, we got split up in the chaos, which briefly made me go, oh. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so we're in the group where all the head over more stuff is happening, and Coda's here, and Shoji's not, the one that I actually like. Okay. I bet Nick, believe in the heart of the cards, and perhaps should have never lost faith. He will show up. I should. That's how my dad returned. I believed he always would come back from getting those cigarettes. Any day now. Be a protagonist. Never be a protagonist's father in a Yu-Gi-Oh series. It it never works out for him. So, a huge crowd swarm forward. A bunch of them grab Rocklock, and they start to just overwhelm him. Uh, and they start to also just shout in his face, saying, "You don't get it. You, you know, you've got a human face. You don't understand what we've been through." A bunch of them, as well, overwhelm Coda and rip off uh, his like vocoder, like sound amplifying mask thing. Uh, and uh, he's like, "Why are you doing this?" And one of them just gets in his face and says, you were raised in a big city, weren't you? Traitor to your kind, which is just very disheartening. Like, you know, it's just that I mean, it is very much touching on, you know, this, the effects that racism and other uh, such prejudices have on people and the people that are targeted by them. Um, and it's uh, not, not, not fun. Uh some guy that I do not know is up on a wall and he it's Esperopa's siblings using their mind control powers to help him cheat I mean it might as well be uh, he has this insectoid appearance because uh, he's got like some tendrils coming out of his bag and he's got like mandibles and stuff uh, and he shouts out everyone, rage, good citizens. Remember all these awful things that we've been through? 
we've been persecuted and stuff and now society is just like oh yeah we made progress but sure in dense places there's you know progress but but in the booties it sucks so therefore society sucks no progress has been made and we're going to kill everyone yay do, 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 do. pretty much that's the heroic moment uh, and they have a flag that's got Spinner's face on it that says Spinner Speaks for Us, which is a great poster, not a great flag. No. Uh, it's a little bit too uh, crowded. Vexology would have an issue with this one. It, it feels like they needed to aesthetically work his face into it, maybe remove the borders there. Because now it just looks like I'm looking at a picture with a picture, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's like one of those uh, images that, like, someone slaps it on a T-shirt, and it's like, I don't know. Like you just slapped it on a T-shirt, and it's very obvious that it's just a JPEG. It doesn't really blend with it very well. Uh, Spinner, of course, is you know hulked out, uh, and he's gone like vicious. Uh, he's drooling heavily from the mouth, and everyone's saying like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna see us through and lead our prominence in society." And we get to see inside of Spinner's head in this moment, and seemingly the same power-up has drastically reduced his intelligence. He doesn't know what's going on, what people are saying about him, so he says to himself, let me just do what me told. Uh, and he starts to swing his giant club sword knife mound thing to uh, attack uh, some police that are there. And then Shoji comes in and he munabanabanabanabs him with his octopus arms and knocks a spinner away. Uh, and so everyone's like, oh, get that guy. Get, get that wannabe hero. Kill him. And a bunch of people immediately tackle Shoji, who, you know, reflects uh, seemingly on a time when he went through this kind of abuse from the other end. You know, people insulting him for his appearance and stuff. Uh, and he just says in response to all this stuff that the villains have been saying about society and everything, what does any of this have to do with you, with attacking the hospital back in Jakku? The very first thing that heroes did was make sure that the patients and staff were safe. What about you guys? Do you have a plan? You better, because if not, I won't let this stand. And he throws everyone off. Uh, and his mask has been ripped off, which exposes the lower half of his face, I think, for the first time in the entire series. Crazy. So he's uh, all serious. Yeah. Uh, we also Shoji got to do a thing. <laughs> yeah, we also got to see the flashback at the beginning was about him. Yeah. Um, now, Nick, I have an important, uh, I have a couple important questions to ask you. Yes. Uh, what, how many, like, uh, non-villain characters do you think My Hero Academia has? Right, rough, rough estimate it non-villain character yeah like a character would not be on the side of the villains and all this um but like everybody else again like rough estimate <sighs> i mean do you want a proportion or, or an actual well, number not a number like I, I don't need anything specific like you think it's more than 50 do you think it's more than it's easily more than 50 do you think it's more than like 100 to... yeah it's probably more than 100 okay yes of those 100 plus characters how many of them are persons of color well, there's Rocklock. <laughs> so there's uh, how, there's Mirko. There you go. That's two. How fucked up of it is it to use the like, 
one of the two persons of color in this series to have the the racism group be like, you're you, the racist. You just don't understand what it's like. <laughs> it is wild that you can choose that character of anybody to be like, you don't get what it's like to be treated differently because of how you look. It's kind of weird because when I read this chapter the first time, it did occur to me um, like, oh, Rocklock, it's nice to see one of like the two black characters in this series. But it did not click to me that they're all blaming him for being for being racist. I mean, they're blaming everybody, but like specifically the line of like folks with human faces just don't get it is directed at him. And you're like, all right, that's not the best look. Um, removing that moment, uh, this is, I think, actually a pretty cool chapter. I really, really do love seeing Shoji show up and, like, karate punch his way into, like, the scene. It's it's super cool. Shoji's always been, like, kind of a Dark Horse favorite character of mine in this series. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And I, I feel bad for Spinner because this was, like, a pretty eloquent dude who's clearly having his mind just, yeah. like, destroyed. He was the one who kind of had the doubts. He was the one who actually believed in the cause and stuff and then was starting to doubt it. And now he can't question it anymore because his, been, his mind's been fucked with. Yeah. So Very sad. Yeah, uh, this was uh, it's been a little bit surprising to cut away to uh, this action, but it's been nice. Uh, and it's more interesting than some of the other battles that we've got to, honestly. Yeah. So. All right, Nick, it's time for us to talk about Undead. Number 132 loop, time to go. Unluck! This is the first time I've seen this series, so I don't know all the details. I'm just kind of winging it. You know, that's what I call going with the heart of the car. It's not really a magical power. It's just kind of like seeing what happens. I'm like, oh shit, (laughs) Black Luster Soldier. Thank God I drew that. Oh, (laughs) sucks to suck, nerd. And then I punch their kidneys. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even know what half the cards in my deck do just uh, I just have to read the text and I'm like, oh sweet, Karibo. Wing Dragon Guardian of the Fortress number two. Why the hell is this in here? <laughs> now if it were Wing Dragon Guardian of the Fortress number one, that would be a card worthy of being in my deck. Only a go- only a number one deserves to be in the number one duelist deck. <laughs> That's why Rock Roto Soldier number one is in my deck. <laughs> Fuck Rocko. <laughs> Fuck Rocco. <laughs> I can't even get it out. Say it with me. Fuck Rocco Grotto Grotto number two. two. <laughs> uh, so it looks like a bunch of characters are saying goodbye to Fuko as she's like, time to go. And she teleports away. And Otto Ononen is there to say, and so the unlucky girl journeyed off into the next world thanks to the people who put everything on the line for her. The friends she met along the way. And then comes to the realization that their death is imminently upon him and says, Oh, this is Ragnarok. How would I describe this site? Despair. And the way it is visualized is like a dozen suns coming at them now. Uh, she says, Once you see it, you're left helpless to even oppose it. However, there was one person who met the despair unfazed. That person was undead. The man who had already witnessed this 99 times before, and he did not falter for even a second. If I'm ever allowed, 
if someone as unknown as me is ever allowed to write another story, then it will be... And we cut away to Fuko, who is teleported to the moon, and she screams at everyone as she watches the world get destroyed. And the narration finishes of Anna Unknown, uh, Anna Anna, who just says, the story of how you all win. And Fuko just starts sobbing. Uh, Luna is there, and it's like, Juez was the same way. She would put on a brave face in front of her friends and then break down to tears when she got here. And, uh, just has like a note like humans are so weird aren't they while you've been standing there a hundred million years have passed soon the next loop will commence and there's a little detail here that's like wait what happens to andy and it's like well he's somewhere floating out in space right now in unbelievable pain but once the earth is formed all negators are kind of gathered to it so he'll be pulled back into you know earth at that point and fuko turns and she has a, a very serious look in her eyes. Luna says, that is a look I have not seen in your eyes before. This is where our counterattack begins. I'll scrape together everything that Miss Jew has left. Everyone left behind for me. And then the next and final loop, all of us will face you gods and negate you. Note she also says all you like you gods so not just fuck, fuck you luna <laughs> yeah you're kind of an asshole even though you're quote unquote helping us yeah so uh the conversation just ends with luna saying i'm looking forward to it and then there's a continuation of the narrative Anna on in the face of unimaginable despair had a lot of time left still to write like ooh, got some notes uh, and it's just like as i said if you and i meet again i want you to tell me cut over it's Japan. It's 1972. Uh, a young Ana On is uh, walking around going, Jump! Oh, jump! I wonder what this new series is going to be like. I can't wait to read Dragon Ball. This will never take off. I mean, it's 72. I think it's a little early for even Dragon Ball. It is. Yeah. Uh, uh, some people some people in our uh, Discord managed to actually find uh, the cover of uh, Shonen Jump that uh, that they're carrying. Aww. So it's a nice touch that it is actually a, a, a legit like 1972 cover of Shonen Jump. Yeah. So. Uh, and Nana is just like, oh, there's like, so I bet there'll be some cool characters. And if there are, I'll draw some for mom and stops and looks down this alleyway and sees a pen. He's like, oh, it's a cheap pen. The thing that manga artists used. Did someone drop it? And there's immediately like a, nope, sorry, can't let you touch that. And it's Fuko who is just scooped on, on under their arm uh, and is like, hey, I can't let you touch that, but to make up for it, I'm going to tell you like a really interesting story. And uh, Anan is like, who are you? And Fuko's like, I'm a big fan of your story. He's like, I, or they's like they're like, sorry, uh, I've only ever shown it to my mom, though. As uh, narration finally finishes, like, I want you to tell me once more the story of your, and it, it fades off as Fuko's like, you're not going to be able to believe this, but I'll tell you the story of us and you, that is. And Nick, I, I kind of sobbed when this happened, not <laughs> because like, it's very cute. Like she's uh, there and uh, it's, it's, it's a very like nice moment. But Fuko has grown her hair out yeah. because she's no longer afraid of it. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah, uh, it seems like we're going to get a lot of dramatic changes to our cast. Uh, I cannot imagine that Foucault is going to leave any stone unturned uh, and is going to bring everyone in. And they're all probably going to be insanely different. And this is just a taste of it. Uh, you know, Fuku's growing her hair out. Ano Un's going to be there. Uh, <laughs> Present. And be able to talk to people. Uh, so, yeah. Um, shit, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the image of the earth being destroyed, I, I felt bizarrely just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Means nothing to me. I've watched it many times. Yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, I, I, okay, you know. Uh, but um, that's not really the point. You know, the, the point isn't like the despair of the world ending. It's, yeah, the hope of we're going to win this time. And uh, Foucault's looking fucking intense at the beginning, but she looks like she's, uh, you know, optimistic uh, after having a bit of time away from the incident. And I'm very happy because so. it would be very upsetting if, like, she was just dour and so, like, the, the whole reason everyone yeah. wants her to go back is because she she has a lot of optimism in her and it's 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 important to see her like that. So, yep. Yeah. So, uh, yep. Yep. Let's, uh, what, I'm looking for the next chapter. All right. Now, Nick. We've talked about a lot of interesting series so far. Perhaps can the next one regale me in an even greater way? Uh. Surely it involves something cool like ninjas and not something stupid like falling in love with a teenager. Boruto number 74, Baptism by Fire. I remember Naruto. We briefly crossed over at some point in the magazine, I think. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Now tell me, my favorite character of all time was Konohamaru. Does this chapter give Konohamaru justice? <laughs> okay, so I... I... <laughs> I want to get this out in front. I don't know how much time we're going to spend talking about this chapter. And it always seems like we just evolve. We just like go into the, into a downward downward spiral and are like stuck in it for like 15 minutes when we talk about Boruto these days. But to get it out of the way, this manga, this chapter, nothing happens. Like Ada shows up at the house. She's going to be staying at with Kawaki and Boruto some otherwise unimportant characters in Boruto's peer group show up so that Ega can demonstrate her powers again. Damon gets mad at Kawaki for no reason. And when Kawaki tries to attack him, Kawaki kicks his ass so that we can demonstrate how awesome this little kid's powers are again. And that's just it. That's like all that happens. And there are like, there's a setup that Amato might talk about, ooh, mysterious goings on that are probably well as interesting than than Kishimoto thinks that they are. And that's basically the chapter. This is a 45-page long chapter. I don't know why we're constantly doing the same beats over and over again. They're not getting any more interesting the more that they're repeated. Now, Nick, I, I did notice something we didn't discuss. That girl flies! <laughs> That's a good point. Ada can fly. I know. Like, I know. Like, like, I believe all cyborgs can fly. That's just a, a natural uh, piece of the universe. But uh, it, it it looks like Dragon Ball when she does it like that. 
She just like floats up into the air and then just takes off to go to the house. Uh, and that's just kind of it. Uh, Kodohamaru is at the house with Kawaki and Boruto while they're waiting for her arrival. I don't know why he's actually physically there. They know what Ada will do to him. Uh, Kawaki thinks a bit about how he saw the image of an Otsutsuki by Boruto. And then fucking Shikadai and Inojin and Chocho, the new, the new Inochikocho group, they just show up. Shikadai calls Sarada and Mitsuki overachievers, which we don't know enough about them because they never do anything for me to know if that's like an indication of their character or if or not. Like, I just don't know. Uh, and Shikadai says that they're there to check things out and says challengingly to no one, no one can stop our curiosity. And then Inojin says there's a hot girl coming. And then Chocho says, and she's after Kawaki, which means that foreigner's my rival because she's attracted to Kawaki. This is the first time I was made aware of this. But then again, I know very little about Chocho because she never does anything. And then it, when she does show up, it's acted like she's a kind of important character because she's part of the peer group of the heroes. She's not, though. None of these characters are important. Anyway, Ada shows up. Chocho and Ninojin are immediately like, duh. Shikadai doesn't react that way because apparently he didn't have a good look at her face. Sarada also isn't affected. Uh, I don't know if it's because she doesn't get a good look at her face or not, but she's not affected. Mitsuki goes, I've never felt like this before. So he's experiencing love for literally the first time, even though it's artificial love. Poor boy. Uh, and then Konohamaru is like, all right, I better leave. And Ada comes through the door and he's like, ah! Ah! <laughs> and he literally falls on his ass because he's overwhelmed by how hot she is. Which, again, there's the eternal paradox of Ada's age, where either she is old enough that when all the adults are romantically interested in her, it's okay, but that it's creepy she's interested in a child, or she's young enough that her being having a crush on Kawaki is okay, but then it's very creepy all the adults are super into her. Yes. Also, Moegi is there. Moegi, who is like, if you let me name 50 Naruto characters, she would probably not show up there. And then if you listed off more characters, I would have been like, I don't know if Moegi would have been in my top 100 Naruto characters. Like, But she is there. And it's made a big deal of that she's Konohamaru's childhood friend because Ada can see everything, remember? Uh, and then Konohamaru, after falling on his ass because he's so overwhelmed by how hot it is, he, he just like passes out at the bottom of the stairs. And then Damon gets up on Boruto and says, I'm Damon, you jerk! Which is a great introduction. Uh, it, Kawaki tries to fight him, uh, and Damon beats him. Uh, not only can he beat you up if you if you touch him he can also just instantaneously snatch attacks out of the air because he's that fast i guess uh, and then he kicks boruto's ass too they all pass out kawaki wakes up with his head in ada's lap because she's weird like that and Bo damon goes hey kawaki big sis's lap is nice and soft right because these are things a person would say and then at the end of the chapter after Shikamaru was confronting Mato and saying, no more secrets. And then Boruto says, yeesh, 
This is gonna be quite the mission. I feel like we've already been here in this shared living environment for this mission of theirs longer than the away mission training in World Trigger. I already feel that way. <laughs> Maybe because we get chapters so frequently, but the pace it moves at like creates this time distortion where you're like, we've been here for years, haven't we? We have to have been. <laughs> we have to have been here for years. So what? No, she got here in the same chapter you're talking about. No, she's been there for years. <laughs> So yeah, this is stupid. Broto's not getting any better. I'm just sad. Very sad. Let's talk about something else, Nicholas. Entertain oh, me, oh. peasant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your king. Your king of games. I demand tithings. Tithings? Yeah. Do it, you little bitch. <laughs> Give like me money. <laughs> it's not even game related. Bring me, so me money. Bring me stuff. <laughs> Go get me a hoagie. <laughs> I want a sandwich. Do it now. <laughs> Stop laughing. Get me one. <laughs> you come back with the sandwich and it's like, no, I, s I clearly said with extra mustard. Like, you didn't tell me. Shadow realm. Whatsoever. <laughs> Just shatter you. <laughs> You shattered the part of me that gives a shit about this conversation. <laughs> Alright, while Nick's taking a drink, we'll talk about Chainsaw Man, which is a weird way to say Chainsaw Insect, a card played by my most fearsome rival, Weevil Underwood. He didn't play this, but it's probably in his deck somewhere. <laughs> also, I guess he was more of Joey's rival. I crushed him early on and forgot about him. But that bitch did take my card, so I'm going to beat him up now. There was that time that uh, he pretended to tear up Yugi's soul when he had the seal of Oricalcos. So that's where, you know, like, uh, uh, he, you know, you know, my turn monster card draw monster card comes from. So that sounds cool. That? I remember doing yeah. cool things. <laughs> does, did I win the duel? <laughs> I mean, yes. There we go. Um, End of sentence. We don't need to talk about the complications morally that may have come about towards the end <laughs> of my actions. Honestly, moral complications with you, you like that's an entire minefield I'm not going to step into. So. Exactly. Know your role. So, it's chapter 108 of Chainsaw Man. Yoru, in an effort to defeat demon judge demon judge devil rather yuko uh is leaving things to asa and she says to yuko you you killed a bunch of people and yuko says not that many only three or four the gun devil killed like a million people and i only killed bad ones which is i i i, I do love i only killed like three or four we just saw her kill like six people <laughs> like <laughs> She killed, yeah, because she, she went after... She killed the, the three were... bullies and then the three devil hunters. I mean, the other three right. devil hunters, I guess, might still be alive, but I, I do like... Maybe. I do like the idea that she's just like, I only killed, like, th th two or three! And it's like, we saw you kill more and, than that. You threw and a, they were bad, come on. You threw a spear through that lady. Uh, Asa shouts out to Yoru saying, tell me how to make weapons. And this is... 
a, a thing that happens that I never would have seen coming. This is such a weird turn. Yordo says, I mean, I don't think the thing you're planning on making into a weapon is going to make a very strong weapon. And I was like, just, just tell me how to do it. And Yordo says, touch something that belongs to you and call its name. Uh, and against Yuko's objections, Asa touches a hand to her chest and declares, super strong uniform sword! And her uniform immediately tears off of her body and turns into a sword. A very cute sword because it has the pattern of her uniform, which includes her like ribbon tie thing, and also the tip of it the tip of the blade has a skirt pattern. Mm. Unfortunately, this leaves Asa in her fucking underwear, uh, but she's in her underwear with a sword now. In this very biz- bizarre turn, uh, and Asa says, Yuko, I'm going to solve my own bullying problem, so don't maybe slice you up. Uh, and Yuko's like, oh, come on. If I kill bullies in a notorious devil attack, then bullies across Japan will get scared and bullying could decrease, not just yours, but all the bullying in Japan. And then I could become a symbol of justice, just like Chainsaw Man. And Asa, <laughs> there's a beat, and then she just said, what, is, what are you talking about Chainsaw Man for? Do, do you hear yourself talk? Yoru then asks of Yuko, hey, so when you when you made a contract with your devil... What did you give the devil in exchange for its power? Yuka's like, I didn't give him anything. I just received power. This is great. And I received the power and a heart that shines with the light of justice. I've got one more bully to go kill. Excuse me. Go put on some clothes. Also. <laughs> she actually says that with her parting line. Uh, so Asa rushes after her. And she's like, okay, I'm sorry, Yuko. I I swear, I'm just going to cough your legs. Sorry. Take this. And she swings the sword, and Yuko just immediately lifts up a tentacle and baps it out of her hands, and it goes flying. Yuko's like, oh, you suck, Asa. (laughs) Uh, And Yuko says, like I told you, it was pointless. Turn the page. Her entire body is cut into convenient sections like she's been to the butcher. I love that you could even see in the panel before where she's like, I told you it was pointless. Like you'd already see her head starting to slide off. Yeah, and it just perfectly cuts her into tiny pieces, despite the fact that she seemingly perfectly countered Asa's swing and all the bits come apart. And then blood comes out of them because that's how physics work in the devil and the uh, chainsaw man world of devils and devil hunters. Uh, and then after that, there is a screaming, and uh, Yuko, not Yuko, uh, Yoru says to Asa, "Wow, that that's surprising. I mean, the swords that I made out of people I killed were always average." But Asa says, "Oh yeah, but that my mom bought me that uniform before she died." Which is an interesting little tidbit. Uh, it indicates that possibly, as you know, a human who has emotions of love and stuff, maybe Asa could conceivably unlock more powers from Yoru's ability than she was ever able to unlock herself. Mm-hmm. That'd be neat. Uh, Asa looks at the gore that has unfolded from Yuko's body. She remembers the uh, Bucky, the body of Bucky uh, underneath her. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, unlocking trauma and experiencing more trauma all at once. Yuko is still alive, 
uh, despite the fact that she's been cut into many, many pieces and her head is separate from the rest of her body. But uh, it doesn't look like she will last very long. Uh, and as Asa bends down over her head and Yuko falls silent, another girl appears uh, wearing the same school uniform. And she says, do you want to save her? I can save her. Do you want to? Uh, so pauses for just a moment and she says, yes. The girl approaches and we get a good look at her. She's got creepy spiral eyes and earrings that look like chainsaw ripcords. They look just like Denji's ripcord. And she says to Asa, to Yoru, anything for my little sister. Of course, Asa has no idea what she's talking about. Uh, we go outside. Devil hunters arrive at the school and they ask for information for the people outside. But then there's a massive boom. And um, Yuko's body wasn't that big before. Uh, and her head is huge and spraying out of the building now. Tentacles going everywhere. What the fuck is going on? It's very amusing because it's like it's like the watch my monster grow moment from Power Rangers, <laughs> but so much more because like so far we don't have any sign that indicates that uh, she's alive. It looks like the corpse is just getting bigger, and that would be like a very dark and depressing thing to do in term uh, in Power Rangers. <laughs> Uh, I mean, her tendrils are growing back at the very least because yeah, her head tendrils yes. were cut off earlier. Um, yeah. Uh, what's going on? I, I, I look forward to finding out. Uh, but I have to say, I did really like this weird pseudo magical girl moment with Asa because, you know, she calls out the name while striking a pose. And then it's like it's like a change sequence but it just turns into a sword instead of giving her an outfit. Um, very weird mix of humor and horror, uh, as always with Chainsaw Man. But uh, as, it's also just intriguing as ever. It's like, what the, what the fuck's going to happen next? Yeah, I found it a lot of fun. There's a lot of mystery going on in this series, and it, it does feel like we're in an early part of this uh, story where anything can happen. And uh, yeah. it's kind of fun being along that ride. Yep. All right, All right, Nick, let's talk about Eden Zero, Chapter 213. Yep. If we don't have let's... to fight, which is the right way to do things, you settle your problems with duels to the death. But instead of the death, they go to the Shadow Realm, a place worse than a thousand hells. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I've never... I've never been there. You only go there when you lose. Um... Yeah, let's talk about Eden Zero, I guess. So, Elsie has just made her grand pro She murdered her mother and made this grand pro pro uh, proclamation that she was going to be taking the Morbius and about to morball over those dudes. Uh, when Justice is like, no, this is crazy. She's radiating with an ether that's filled with hatred. And Elsie lands and starts chanting, you know, like, hey, Lendard, I'm Elsie the Lendard. I'm the rightful heir to the throne. Transfer the control of Morbius to me. And Justice is just like, you're going to control the dragons for what? I won't let you. And she's like, I command you to deactivate all dragons. And she says, right. It's like Justice like grabs her and like suddenly it's kind of like a romantic embrace or whatever. And then all the dragons 
just start falling from the sky and just start fucking smashing into the ground. Uh, Eraser's like, I didn't erase those. What happened? <laughs> uh, and basically everyone's just like, cool. Well, I'm glad that got solved. And Elsie and James start to have, like, I guess a romantic moment because she's crying saying, I don't want to fight anymore. And Justice is like, I feel like I'm seeing the real you for the first time. No, you were always there. I refuse to see it. Cool. Cut back over to the ship. Hermit has found the, the conversation that she was looking for between Elsie and her uh, Ziggy. And she's like, ah, here it is. I looked over it or overlooked. This it is not in the medical bay. They're in a hallway. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd she need the footage from the medical records? <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, but it is Shiki, uh, Ziggy saying like, then one day you'll give the ship, the ship to Shiki. And she's like, none of us realized it back then. Not Ziggy, not Elsie, not me. But looking back, none of it makes sense. And Elsie's like, I could do that for you. But if it's just, you know, if your ship is so important, why wouldn't you want to keep it at Grand Bell? He's like, oh, no, Grand Bell is a theme park. We get or a theme park. We get too many visitors there. A small craft would be one thing, but I can't keep a big ship here. And Hermit just finishes the scene by thinking, oh, the real enemy. If my guess is right, dot, dot, dot then that is not good news, dot, dot, dot. Because we have to drag this thing out another three or four chapters, probably. So who would actually be a good twist, the real enemy in this moment? Like, I I think we've been over, like, if it were, like, one of the the stars or whatever. But, like, you know, it's really being built up. Is it going to be, like, the Guildmaster that we see occasionally? Like, yeah, I, I feel like no matter who it is, it's going to be a letdown or it's going to be stupid. So. Yeah, um, it honestly, at this point, the only people I can think it could be would be like maybe the Guildmaster Noah or mother herself. I like I, those are the only things I could think like or um, sorry, Zhao Mei. Maybe Zhao Mei, our omnipresent narrator, has actually been the bad guy all along or something stupid like that. So stupid. There's no way it's going to be a satisfying twist. The, the the infuriating thing is we have to keep sitting through these false, like, red herring fucking plot lines. Like, it's been like three straight chapters of like, oh, Elsie's the bad guy. There was a recording. Elsie's taking control of the Morbius. And all of this has just been like, no, she's a good person. What are you talking about? And you're just like, I don't. I, like That's the part that's most frustrating. You're You're right. Is that. We've had like three chapters in a row that in some form or another tried to imply that Elsie was in fact the villain that like was going to be the final boss of everything between like, you know, her being at the scene where the massacre had happened and Hermit saying like, I need footage of Elsie because I think that she talked about something that has to do with who the true villain is. And then this most recent one with like her taking over the dragons, the Mobius and every time no, actually, no, she's not. It's like, well, I never thought she was. Yeah. So, but you keep doing this, trying to make it seem like she is. And at each time that something happens, it's like, oh, she's a villain. No, she's not. Oh, but she's a villain. No, she's not. You can't, you can't do it three times. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And I like, it's one of those things where I'm like, even if we like the story of Eden Zero, I can't imagine this to be like a satisfying way to spend our time reading it. Like, because it just it does feel obnoxious after a while. We cut over to Shiki and Ziggy 
uh, Ziggy is crying. Please put me out of my misery. If you don't destroy me now, insert name here will possess me again. We can't we can't get the name right now. It's being blocked out. Uh, and Shiki doesn't do it. He's just like, what? I can't. We should. And then, boom, Ziggy has been taken over again by Ziggy. Ziggy, Ziggy, whatever. Uh, Pino gets trapped inside of an orb. And he's like, you made this happen to your weakness, Shiki. And Pino's like, I can't get through this. And he's like, you dare defy me, little girl. And Pino's just like, master, it appears my role has ended. If I'm born again someday, I hope to be. And Ziggy or Shiki's like, oh, I'm going to get you out of there. And it's like, boink. As Pino was like, human. And then Shiki is all angry because she's seemingly gone. And he activates his overdrive. And then he punches like a giant hole through Ziggy. Yep. Okay, cool. I wonder, I wonder if this will be another fake out. <laughs> I, I, it seems like, because I think the implication is that Pino got like squished by the sheer force of gravity, but it seems like she just got poofed away. And we do know so, that he took the powers of Nehru, so he does have the ability yeah. to teleport people. So, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like, even if that's not what's happening, maybe he did just crush her or, or something. Something is going to happen. She's not dead. Because I just, I. I feel like there's so many like false fake outs within this arc so far that I just I I can't believe Pino would be dead. Yeah. If you do it if you do too many false fake outs then I, then you don't stop you stop being fooled by them and instead you start thinking about like, okay, but what are they faking me out to? Yeah. Instead. So no suspension of disbelief. All right. Let's move over to Akane Banashi, story 35, opening act. Asagao has seen fit to have Akane be the opening act, uh, get the Zenza performance, because Rokuro, the dickbag, is going on immediately after her. So they're going to see if they can show him up. We cut to the next day, uh, and uh, Rokuro is arriving, uh, uh, and uh... wait a minute, that's not right. I thought you were supposed to be here. Hang on a second. Oh, that's not Rokuro. Rokuro is a different guy. My mistake. I keep I've I've got them confused because they both have short black hair and I'm not familiar with them. No, the dick bag guy has much cleaner, more douchey hair. Rokuro has got unkempt hair. Uh so he shows up and because just cause like he wants to get like a freaking kimono and he's uh, curious about the opening act, which is Akane. Uh Akane is now being uh, presented as Akane Arakawa because she is straight up going as, you know, Shikima's apprentice now. Uh, She goes out onto the stage and, you know, she quickly takes in everyone and realizes, like, I mean, look, Zenza aren't actually, like, even included in the price of a ticket. No one is here to see me. So no one's really interested in what I have to do for my story. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's to be expected. So she just, you know, takes that all in and just launches into her story. Uh, the story is called Sango Jigo, which is uh, basically built around a word game that has to do with the naming conventions of Buddhist temples, where all of the names include the words San and Ji. Uh, not, well, the, the syllables San and Ji. So in Japanese, there's a lot of this, of course. 
Uh, and the joke is that someone is like justifying that there are a bunch of temples that have these names all over the place, even in really small places that don't actually have temples. And they're using the those syllables to name a bunch of different things. And all this now has to are these puns now have to be translated into English. So to the localization team, good job, because <laughs> there's a bunch of puns that had to be made here. Uh, Stephen Paul was the uh, translator of this chapter, and I think for a kind of Banashi in general. So good job to him. Um, and uh, so, you know, she starts to get into her story. Uh, Akane does, and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, like there, there's these things over here. And, the, you know, so there's a, a grocer who has wares that are grown in the Australian sun, fresh fruit and veggies. And, you know, the more she gets into it, People get, it's like, hey, funny jokes, funny jokes. Uh, and the crowd's getting into it and is laughing. Backstage, one of the masters, you know, makes a note about it. Kind of like, oh, that girl's got some spirit. And the douchebag, uh, Rakugoka, says, yeah, but just yesterday, she served me truly awful tea. She didn't even bother to replace the leaves. And you know how it is with that Arakawa school. Performance is everything. They don't even bother to teach them backstage skills. They've got no regard for the respect or anything. And then meanwhile, Akane on stage says, Oh, young master, look over there. See that lady at the tea house? She's being chewed out by an irate customer who's claiming she served him twice brewed old tea. But notice the peeved expression on her face. I'm certain she actually did give him fresh tea leaves. And douchebag thinks to himself, hmm. that's not how the story goes. <laughs> Hold on a moment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Akane you know, drives it home with you. Know, like, oh, Asan and, Asan and G pun. And he's like, she's probably thinking on the inside, I've had enough of your poison and your toxic energy. And everyone starts laughing except the douchebag who's like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> You're <laughs> shitting all over me. Uh, and then Akai just keeps going and says, oh, wait a minute. She's not even apologizing to the customer. She's given a piece of her mind. Sounds like to me like determination and reason are the pillars of a woman's strategy. And uh, basically she's just going like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. I'm not going to let you get to me. And just doing it on stage for everyone to see. And the audience doesn't know about it. They're just thinking that this is a fun story, but everyone backstage knows about it. <laughs> uh, and uh, Karashi says to Asagao, uh, like, yeah, uh, I told you I was worried. Uh, not about her, but about uh, what she was going to say up there. I do love the specific term, like, well, she's clapped back on him now. So. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not going to hold back on her next time. But Asuka's like, but she did a good job. That was nice. Yeah. It was satisfying, so, you know? It was good stuff. Yeah. Kane gets to look like a little hero. Good for her. Yeah. And uh, fuck that guy. His hair's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he sucks. What a loser. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to Aliens Area. But Nick, uh, don't you mean protect me, Shugamar Boo? I can do that because they used Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Do, 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 do. I just drew the legendary fisherman too. Now with a gun. 
Uh, see, I was going to make a joke about like the aliens archetype and say, I was like, oh, you mean the A zone and the aliens area? It's not a very good field spell. But no, no, doesn't matter. I've been trodden on by that reference to <laughs> possibly my least favorite gag series ever. It's because you weren't in it. I loved it. They talked about me every week. I guess they did. Yeah. <laughs> I rule. Everyone sucks but me. <laughs> Aliens Area, Chapter 20. Last episode. Laugh. Cry. The end of youth. What a series, Nick. Wow. We've been through, we don't even have to talk about this. We've been through so much with this series to finally come to the end. It is wild. What an adventure. Uh, let's both. The one thing I want to say is just the opening line of this chapter, which is five minutes until the building goes airborne, <laughs> which is a wild sentence. Let's just take a pause. Let's maybe sit here, minute of silence. Maybe not that long. Come on, we're in a different podcast. But like a couple seconds of silence, and let's all think about our favorite moments of Aliens Area. And it's just the chapter with the bar where the girl talked about that we she just died on slaves. I don't have any. Let's move on. Okay. There's a very weird sequence where they just kind of walk away from the mission, and for some reason, one of them's got a shoe print that has the words "bye bye" in it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Hey. I. But the end. Read more in the graphic novel release. So Nick, you can pick up the volumes, and you can read even more Aliens Area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we could do that. Could do that. Shiraka used his third equipment thing. I feel like that should have been important, but it was just like, oh, they yanked everyone up off of the ledge. We're going to fall. The cops won. Great ending. I think my favorite part uh, of this chapter is, yeah, like, uh, Shiraku, like, uh, not Shiraku, Tatsumi is his name? Tatsumi is the tall guy. Shiraku is the actual main character that they're pretending isn't. Yeah. Tatsumi, like the main guy, jumps out of the flame building. Tatsumi, like, goes after him and is starting to, like, slide and, like, characters have to, like, run over and grab him. And the one dude who is introduced to this chapter is having, like, a metal special power arm. Uh, He gets to... I'm sorry. I accidentally clicked off of uh, the thing here because I was answering the thing. Uh, But he gets his little uh, fancy arm and... uh, it's it's like the payoff, you know. It's pretty cool. Uh, so that's awesome, you know, Nick. It was like it yeah, was it was it was like awesome payoff. Yeah, it was great. It's great. I guess we'll get a new manga soon, and we'll see what that has in store for us. Well, well. we might not, uh, because we are at this point uh, getting Hunter Hunter getting back. Hunter Hunter back. So it's true. It's true. Uh, I don't know if we will get anything, and there might be a spot being saved in case Worry Dragon comes back. Who knows? Uh, we might get something That's sometime true. soon. Yeah. yeah, we will see. In the meantime, let's move over to Blue Box, chapter number seven. Yeah, I- my Valentine's favorite series because only bitches like this sort of stuff. I like That's- cool stuff like the. Uh, Marin says, "Sea Angel, this sucks. Where are my good cards?" 
There's like a little Irish swordsman in here somewhere. This is all Weevil's fault for throwing away most of my copies of Exodia. He threw away all my cool cards. An Egyptian golem monster thing. It was my oh. favorite. <laughs> so, it's chapter number 74. I don't need an answer. Uh, Taiki continues uh, helping out Chinatsu with getting the old woman who uh, sprained her ankle back to uh, safety. They get her uh, back to her house and uh, she's reunited with her husband and they have, you know, like old person, ar old couple arguments where they're like, I looked everywhere for you, quiet, you old fool, that kind of thing. Um, and um, they also give some snacks to Chinatsu, you know, just as thanks for helping out. Uh, and they're like, oh, come on, you know, and uh, get, go, go, go take these. Oh, and I'd like to thank you, too. I mean, I, I want to thank your boyfriend. And, of course, Taiki's reaction is to go, we didn't kiss and run away. Um, <laughs> and it's not that much better. He, he, he shouts out, I'm not her boyfriend. And he's you know, really upset and blushing. Chinatsu's just like, ha, 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 you know, you know, they think that we're a couple, ha, ha, yeah, whatever. But um, when they're corrected uh the older old woman just like oh i just thought you know that when she didn't come back that you got worried and went out looking for her and tech is like i just went out running by chance and then i saw you guys and and it's one of those things where it's like taiki come on like you didn't don't act like you don't care about her at all. That's just like overcorrection. It makes you seem like you don't care because there is very clearly a moment where Chinatsu actually like looks over at surprise and Taiki like, oh, he was worried about me and came for me. And then when he says that, she looks away from him like, oh, like, come on, dude. Like, even if just just say like, yeah, you know, we're, we're good friends. And so I was worried about her. Like, that's all you have to do or don't even say anything. Anything would have been better than be like, no, I definitely was doing a thing because I don't care about her. Uh, the uh, woman's husband gives them a ride in his car back to the hotel. Uh, and while they're on the way, he says to them, oh, I'm, you know, she always gets an overhead. So thank you. Um, I hope she and everything. Uh, Taiki looks over at Shinatsu, who is just kind of staring out the window. And Taiki gets like a little like oh the side of her face is so beautiful <laughs> like in a moment and then they just kind of ride in silence back to the hotel uh and then they say goodnight uh and uh they go to bed taiki spares like one last glance over his shoulder at her he goes to bed kyo kyo, kyo. So, is there to see him and taiki starts going Gah! so kyo's like yeah he went after chinatsu <laughs> very very easy to read man uh later on the next day possibly another day after that who knows uh batman team is practicing and ayame is uh, cheering people on uh in particular muraoka uh and uh she's like oh you've come so far it's dazzling and muraoka gets kind of uh, embarrassed by this uh and uh they're like huh yeah Okay. Uh, kyo! Kyo! kyo. Uh, practice along with Taiki. Ayame uh, observes Taiki practicing and is like, you know, he, he, he might have the prettiest form out of all these boys. I still like Yusa better. <laughs> but, you know, I do, it is one of those things like, okay, at least she's actually doing her job now and she's actually like paying attention to the team and stuff. She's grown too. Yeah. That's nice. 
Uh, and uh, then the basketball team comes in. They kind of take uh, not the basketball team, my mistake. The rhythmic gymnastics team comes in. They kind of book their heads into the gym, uh, and uh, they just start talking with Ayame because she's you know separate from the court. They're talking a little bit about stuff, uh, and then Taiki just calls over his shoulder like, "Oh, I thought that maybe Hina forgot something here again." And you know they just have a little bit of a of a teasing between them. She gets upset, and he's like, "Uh huh, just kidding," kind of thing. And Ayame's you know, looking between them like, hmm, what's going on with them? Uh, Hina and company leave. And then her friend, whose name we are never going to learn, I swear, is just not going to happen. She's friend. That's all we need to She's know. She's friend. She says, oh, hey, good for you. Because you got to see Taiki. And he's like, huh? Which, uh, yep. Uh, and then she's like, by the way, do you know about the campfire legend that says if you find love and confess your feelings about the school legend about love? Uh, so she, you know, she says, you know, like, why don't you, you know, try it out? You know, ask him for his answer to your confession. And Hina just thinks about some of the kind of close moments that she's shared with Taiki over the course of the series. And then she says, no, I'm not going to do that. Until Taiki falls for me too, I don't need an answer. Uh-huh. She's not going to force the issue. But she looks kind of sad about it. Lots of quiet moments in this chapter. Yeah, I mean, it makes so. for a good chapter. It's, it's, you know, soft and sweet. And that's sometimes what you need, you know? Sometimes you just need to let things breathe. Uh-huh. Mashima Hiro, you need to let things breathe. So that even if nothing's going on in the moment, Hero, you know, you can actually think about what's going on. And even if nothing's actually happening, Hero, you can actually make it feel like stuff is happening. And then when something happens later, it feels like there's actual weight to it. Because you took your time before you let it happen. Yeah. <gasps> All right. Let's talk about, let's talk about Ginka Luna. Oh, right. Uh <laughs> You almost skipped that one? Uh, no, I, I did read it. I forgot to add it as I Open. made chapter. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, so the the, the company is... Uh, I don't... A train? I don't listen to authority about what series I opened up, Nick. If it's about magicians, I've got the only dark magician I care about right here. And oh, then this sad. hot one that I look at sometimes <laughs> when Yugi gets lonely. That's right. When Take it off! Lonely. Misogynist Yami Yugi is not a good look. Who said it was a misogynist? I was looking at someone's skull. Take off your clothes. Dance for me. Trying to think of clothes that someone's skull wears. Bones. Whatever. (laughs) Take off your bones. (laughs) Just collapses into a pile of bat wings and lightning. You know how often I've said that to myself and others? Take off your bones. (laughs) <laughs> oh, might as well be a quote of mine. Mm, I guess I can do that. There we go. Put your bones back on. No, you can not it into it. All right, fine, fine, fine. I understand I'm not up to your standards, I guess. So, Ginkan Luna, Chapter 7, Planet Peak. Uh, the group is heading off to Planet Peak in a train of sorts that's going through the mountains. Ginka is kind of goofing off.
with references to Tvar. They now have to trek the rest of the way up to it. Uh, and uh, Anemone and uh, Beretta are not doing so well. They're leaning on their staves as they go through the snow and the mountains. And then Anemone's staff, when she like plants it at one point, her the bottom of her staff twists around and it like springs up into her face and hits her in the chin, which Beretta thinks is hilarious. But it's like I don't know, like she got clocked in the chin. I don't know if that's funny or not. Apparently, the force field on the mountain messes with magic, and it's also twisting Ginga's head around. Uh, and so he advises everyone, like, okay, yeah, you all need to keep your guard up, basically. And Anemone says, oh, thank you for your guidance, Master. We get this very quick little flashback that establishes that after they had the mission together, that Anemone approached him, knew that he was a former guild member, knew about his strength at this point now. And she says, look, I want to become an Imperial Guard no matter what. So please show me, you know, show me the way. And at first, Ginka wasn't interested, but then she addressed him as Master. And Ginka really likes being addressed respectfully. And so he's just like, yeah, keep calling me master. And then sure, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll be your teacher and stuff. Job done. Uh, of course, uh, Luna doesn't know. Getting some, some, some connection issues with Nick. an elite 10. Hang on one moment. That there we go. Coming together now. Okay. All right. Uh, so there's this uh, hierarchy to the Magical Guild. It's divided into, into lower and higher ranks. And then of the 300 members, there are 10 of elite rank. And amongst those 10, a very select few are chosen to work for the royal family as Imperial Guards. So that is Anemone's goal is to achieve this very high rank and work for the royal family. Uh, we don't know a whole lot more about that. But in terms of like there is a there is a hierarchy to the guild. It's done in one page, and I appreciate that because you don't need to bog me down with details right now uh, with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, lightning suddenly strikes because the weather here gets really really messed up by the weird concentration of magic. It is rainy and stormy and sunny all at the same time, which makes it very dangerous, of course, to be traveling through here. An avalanche comes at them from below, a backwards avalanche. Interesting. I have no idea how that could possibly work outside of just magic, but here we go. Uh, Everyone takes shelter uh, under a rocky cliff. Uh, Anemone and Beretta are kind of hanging out together by a fire, and Anemone asks Beretta why she came along with them, and Beretta doesn't want to answer, although she does look at Ginka very briefly before saying, it's not your business. Uh, Luna is just happy to be hanging out on the outside, hanging out with other magicians. She's talking with Minigan about stuff, and uh, they just talk, they just have a quiet conversation between the two of them about a couple of different things. Uh, you know, Luna's happy to be out and exploring and stuff. Minigan confides in her that he is happy that he wasn't able to fuse with Ginka because he wants to remain independent and his own person. Uh, especially because he was having fun with everyone because he never had time to make friends because he was training all the time. So young Ginko was a lonely boy, it seems. Uh, and uh, Luna's like, well, hey, you know, there's a big, huge world out there with lots of magic in it. Maybe we could find a way for you to not disappear after we gather all the shards and stuff together. And they could keep on hanging out with us. Aw. And they look at the sun sunrise together. Uh, 
And uh, just as Luna gets finished saying, Dominican's like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make you help me with all this stuff. You got it. Uh, a thing snatches him off of her back and flies off with him. I say a thing because it's clearly not a bird because it's just all wings and an, a biblical a biblically accurate angel it did it did kind of feel like that you know which i thought was pretty sweet the uh angel flies off to a high up in the mountains cave lands on a pier and dissipates into a mage with dark hair and a feather earring uh he is immediately introduced as master karula by two um attendants who congratulate him on his imperial guard duties hey we just learned what imperial guards are isn't that convenient uh he has minigin in a cage and says like here take this i just took it from a magician down below it's something i've been searching for uh one of the attendants asks like are you worried that they're gonna try and take it back and he says i mean they were really far down below I don't think we'll, they'll find us. Immediately, a giant icicle pierces the platform that Luna just fucking threw from where she was, and she's down on the ground saying, "Hold on, I'm gonna come save you." <laughs> so, yeah, a lot happened in this chapter, despite not a lot happening. It's very, very fast paced. A lot of information dumped on us, and uh, another fight's happening as another character's been introduced. Yeah, I like it. Good stuff. All right, Nick. I heard it's time for us to play games. That's the only yeah. reason why I'm here. I see. Okay. And well, again, the wig didn't show up. <laughs> That's all right. You don't need Yu-Gi-Oh hair in order to solve puzzles with each other. All right. Here's my puzzle for you. Polarizing personality plots payback on punting Python. Hmm. Is it me? It is not you. This is a thing that if Quinn were here, then I would say to Quinn that when we started watching wrestling together, this was one of the first things that we actually watched together. Oh, okay. Someone who kicked Randy Orton or, or planned to. I feel like there was a period of time where somebody did start to go back and forth trying to like out punt Randy Orton's head. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of the douchiest wrestlers because I remember it was also kind of a douchebag who did it. Or I feel like it was. was it the... Would you like to hear the clue again? Yeah, go for it. Polarizing personality. Is it the Miz? Plots payback. It is not. Okay. No. Plots payback on punting Python. Polarizing personality. Who's very polarizing? Especially right now. Oh, right now. Okay. Is it a WWE wrestler? No. Okay. Oh, uh, couldn't have been CM Punk. It's CM, CM Punk. Punk. Okay. The reason I used the word personality is because of cult, cult of personality. personality. Yeah. yeah. There was one that one of the things happening and. On the first show we watched together, I think, WrestleMania 27, was CM Punk was feuding with Randy Orton over getting punted in the head, like, 
three years before that. <laughs> it makes sense. You got to carry it. Come on. You got to carry that. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out how to loop it all together. But I was like, there's so many easy ways to give CM Punk with P words. I could have said Pepsi, for yeah. example. <laughs> now, Nick, I have a game for you, too. All right. And if you lose this game, you will go to the Shadow Realm. That's okay. I've been there before. <laughs> Good. Then it'll be familiar. You have one minute to guess this wrestler with yes and no questions. All right. Go. Are they alive? Yes. Are they an active wrestler? No. Okay. Uh, were they a WWE wrestler? Yes. All right. Are they in the WWE Hall of Fame? No. Okay. Uh, were they an active wrestler in the 90s? Yes. Okay, were they an active wrestler in the 2000s? Yes. Did they win the WWE Championship? No. Are they a male? Yes. Did they win the Intercontinental Championship? Yes. Okay, did they win the European Championship? Yes. Okay. But they're alive, they're retired, European, Intercontinental. Oh, shit. That's so few people. Okay. Um, no, no, no. I keep on thinking of dead ones. Oh, <laughs> uh, have they won the tag team championship? Okay. Yes. Okay. Tag team Euro Intercontinental. That was Not the timer. What is your Ooh. final guess, Nick? Remember, if you lose, you go to the Shadow Realm. Okay. They're not active. They were in the they won a European. Not actively wrestling, to be clear. Not actively wrestling. Okay, okay. European intercon. But they're not in the Hall of Fame. No. Is it William Regal? Nick! It was William Regal! <laughs> do, 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 you gave me you gave me a little bit of a do. hint there. <laughs> well when you stressed they were not an active wrestler, but uh well, I wanted to be clear because you said are they active uh, today, and it's like he yeah, is, but yeah, not wrestling. William Regal, aka the timeless oh. one. <laughs> so cool, he's so cool. <laughs> All right, um, we've got a PPP PPP to talk about today. Chapter fifty-four. I understand. Which is, I can tell you this much, not what I said after I read this <laughs> chapter. I will fully fess up. I read this chapter through once, did not really get it. Read it through again before we started recording this, didn't really get it. I can tell you stuff like that is actually straightforward said, as in we get an establishment of what the plan actually is between Sadame and Lucky. Spe specifically, it has to do with Lucky going first in the final round ahead of Fanta. Sadami's plan is that after he copies Fanta's playing style, Lucky will close the theme park after Sadame has emulated Fanta's style in order to open it. Uh, and while at first, you know, Lucky was like, okay with this, he had, you know, the, the, the feeling of like, I don't want to hurt Fanta. And I might be holding back, but I don't want him to suffer. And now Fanta has told him not to take it easy on him. So now they're going ahead with that plan. That's what they were alluding to earlier. Left to think to himself as he's getting ready to go out and perform, 
he thinks about brilliant Lucky and how he was wearing funeral garb. But I also saw red within the white garb. It's also correct that the genius wants to live. That's right. Something I didn't know we were going to get in our music series, Color Theory. Like <laughs> our black and white illustrated music series, Color Theory. Inside Lucky's psyche, the brilliant Lucky confirms, I want to live. I've always said that. But you, the Lucky on the outside, never heard me. I'm locked inside of you. I can hear your thoughts. The only time you heard me was doing Sorichika's performance. But no, Lucky thinks. I don't want to trouble people. The average me was born. Our family fell apart. I can't let our family stay broken and become a genius who does whatever he wants. When the siblings are in love, I need to help them through playing the piano and doing whatever else I can. It's a good aspiration. Okay. And he thinks, what would brilliant Lucky do? If he says, if I were him, I wouldn't be able to play Going Home for Reijiro or The Joyful Island for Mimin. I was influenced by Brilliant Lucky and went with the plan that'll hurt Fanta. And Brilliant Lucky's like, yeah, I wouldn't have done those things you did. And that's true for Fanta as well. If someone important is at stake, I don't care who gets hurt. I don't care about the whole thing with mom. If Fanta doesn't want to see her, that's fine. And Lucky's thinking, but they're important and I want them to be happy. And I want everyone to be happy. I want them to be happy no matter what. Brilliant Lucky is too self-centered and cruel to do that. And to rebut this and rebuke this and rebut this, only one of those is the word is the word that I actually meant to use. Brilliant Lucky says, kind people are unnecessary. That's because kind acts can be done by anyone. Which is in a way it's deep but it's teenager deep you know mm. where it's like anyone could be kind so there's no value and it's like whatever fuck off kid just be a nice dude uh and uh, so brilliant lucky says even i've had someone thank me for being kind but i only said what i was thinking and i have experienced kindness i may be alone here but that one listens to me I thought the child sound who spoke to me was kind. Your kindness is too light, too cheap, a mere formality, not real, presumptuous. And I mean, you know, like, I mean, it worked out okay, and Rager, it worked out okay, you know. But Fanta would reject it. He doesn't believe in cheap kindness. And I bet Sora Chica would hate it a lot. Kind to the ears, a kind sound. I wish he would stop doing things that child doesn't like. A spotlight shines on Brilliant Lucky in the darkness of Lucky's mindscape. And Brilliant Lucky goes, huh? There's never been a spotlight here before. Maybe I've been chosen. And he sits up and looks over his shoulder directly out of the panel and then stands up and steps backwards out of the spotlight and goes, ha ha ha, I get it. To which I go, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> what is happening? We're about to say, Nick, this, this is all. Nick, perhaps if you played more dual monsters, you'd understand. This is clearly like setting a card face down to bluff your opponent. But it turns out you could have played that card at any time. But why didn't you then? 
Sometimes it's not about winning. It's about sending a message. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. This sounds very unlike you to say sometimes it's not about winning. However, it is very like you to say sometimes it's about sending a message. So <laughs> I told you before about my strategy of beating up my opponents after I beat them, right? Yeah. You have said that, yes. Good. So, uh, Maloli is hanging around with Sadame now and says, like, so can you tell me what your brilliant plan is? And Sadame's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to evoke the theme park's closing parade. And then Lucky takes everyone home by train. And at each station, the audience can re-experience the best moment they had in college. And Maloli's like, what the fuck are you talking about? What about people who don't have a, you, does everyone got to have a unique experience? And so I was like, oh yeah, that's the idea. Lucky you'd prepare a different experience for everybody. You know, there's the image of graduation and thought of never coming back. And you combine that with the sadness of leaving the theme park. So that way the audience won't feel like enjoying the theme park anymore. And the theme park is closed. So essentially they laid out. So like once Fanta performs, no one's going to want to go to the theme park because they've all gone home at the end of the day. And it's like, I mean, when you explain things in very solid metaphors, I guess it does work. I don't know if that would work, however. Mm. Lucky's playing. That's the end of the chapter. Ta-da! Nick, what an exciting series. So much happened. <laughs> so confused. Uh, okay. I do like the chapter. It is a little tough to determine exactly what's happening, but I think we're going to get it cleared up pretty soon, you know? I think. I hope so. Yeah. All right, Nick. Let's talk about Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 129, Order Maddle and the Eldest Son. Uh, so last time, Caldo Gehenna could not turn the key, but then he eats some honey, <laughs> just drinks it straight up from a jar. Now they can do it, a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, but I I do love Lemon, who watches half and, and thinks he was so cool when he came to our rescue, but not so much anymore. Like he's <laughs> really follows this character's trajectory throughout the story. Like he seemed like such a cool character until he started just drown, like drowning himself in honey. Honey. <laughs> However, we cut over to Doom and his fight against the Rain siblings or the Aim siblings, uh, and uh, he, he mentioned like oh, I'm going to give you about half of my power. Uh, so, Lan or uh, not Lance? Sorry, uh, Rain fires off a big sword, and Doom like touches it with a finger, and it just explodes. Like he sends it flying and shatters it like on just the touch. Uh, goes to punch. Uh, they manage to dodge, and then he does one of the more gruesome things I've ever it's seen, where he he fucking like uh, pistol fingers his way into uh, uh, not Rain. Yeah, Rain. Yeah, Rain's shoe. And then just drags it up his fucking foot, just like tearing away through it. It's, it's horrible. Like oof. it's very disgusting. Uh, and then sends rain flying. Uh, he goes like he he suddenly gets like blood splattered in his eyes. Uh, it's a fin, and Finn's like I can't see. And very clearly, Doom is about to just stab his eyes out when Order Maddle should show up and kind of holds him back with his sand and. Uh, Doom's like the sand visionary. Is the light visionary not here yet? He's like, don't you worry. He's no concern of yours. I'll deliver your end. And we get like a sequence of fight 
uh, like moments of like action beats and stuff like that as as order battles there and you know orders like i'm the worst opponent you could fight but shit he's actually pretty strong and then doom's like 60 percent now and he throws like a big ball of sand and it's even stronger and orders finally like i'll suffocate him in sand and you know crush him to death and he does it and his hand starts to kind of like explode as doom just starts walking straight out of the sand and like his muscles have like increased it's very hard not to make the elder togoro like comparison Mm. at this point because he's it's like the hidden eyes and the giant shoulders it's the giant shoulder part yeah uh and then just says I said you had some skills, but I was mistaken. You only present, possess a fractional amount. So that's... Hey, because he talks in percentages for releasing his power. Yeah, so that's where we're at. Good stuff. Yeah, it's also, it's also quite gruesome to see that just the sheer force of his spell being overpowered is making Orter's arm burst out with blood it's like jesus christ what is how do the physics of this work the body yeah the body physics of it are, are wild but uh it's pretty cool i mean compared to that stabbing someone through the foot with your finger and then dragging your finger through it makes perfect sense really it does okay it's time for the elusive samurai chapter 83 aka six samurai because it's an archetype I remember that! The Six Samurai! Kyosin Kairu Shin, the Sea Serpent, was one of them. Nope. As was Marine Sis Coral Triangle, all the cards I have in front of me. And who could forget the best samurai of them all? The Legendary Fisherman 2, because I got two in the two packs I bought. And of course, Kairu Shin's Dark Reef! All of these powers brought together, the... These four are the six samurai. It was weird to learn when I learned that that one monster became a mini archetype. That was very strange. Anyway, uh, so Kojiro has defeated Shibukawa. Uh, his sword blade is stuck in his shoulder now and gushing blood out. Uh, the strategist uh, sees that Shibukawa has been defeated and is trying to issue out instructions to try and save him and stuff. But an enemy attack has suddenly come in from the Hojo forces because Yorishige knew that, oh yeah, you were going to try and launch an, a surprise attack while everyone was watching the duel. But because we proposed single combat, we could send a larger force before the Ashikaka could. So things have turned in the tide of uh, of the Hojo forces. The strategist Shiba is grabbed and and gets led away. He's actually crying out for Shibukawa, trying to say, like, we've got to save him. But then they get a message that uh, the creepy guy and the other creepy guy uh, (laughs) both been killed, too. Um, So, yeah, they've experienced heavy losses. Uh, Shiba just completely, like, breaks and and collapses and gets dragged off to safety. Uh, and we get some narration saying like, oh yeah, two large forces took the field in this tremendous battle at Onakagagi oh, forget it Onakagihara uh, and be- engaged in a battle so fierce it became legend. Shibakawa is still alive because he got cut through the shoulder you'd think the shock would have killed him uh, but uh, he says to Kotro that he should take his head so that he can take, you know, receive his glory but Kojiro says, you can spend your final moments with your comrades who are headed this way. I'm just thankful I fought such a great man. Shibakawa analyzes that the move that 
Kojiro did where he spun through the air was only possible because he's a kid and he's lighter than an adult. Uh, the basically they would have broken his sword if he were an adult and weighed more. Uh, and he says, your youth served you best of all. Then he turns to Tokiyuki and says, you have your own idea of justice, but fighting for it will not be easy. And Tokiyuki bows to him, saying that he will take the, this warning to heart. And then the two of them wisely run off before the Ashikaga forces can descend on their battlefield. Uh, Shibukawa has a moment to reflect on his relationship with Tadayoshi. He apologizes to him for failing him and says, I once abandoned my men and my cause to satisfy my bell, myself in battle against children. So please care for my family. And uh, he dies. Uh, news of this reaches uh, Kyo, Kyo uh, to the emperor. It's um, portrayed as lightning striking that area of Japan, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, it's like, oh, it was a shocking news that it reached them and stuff. Uh, they also have learned about that. There's more you know, fallout from the assassination attempt that failed. Uh, and now uh, Otokyuki's uncle has been exposed as part of it. Uh, the creepy no face guy, Sasaki, uh, indicates like, oh, you know, I, I saw Takatoki's heir two years ago in Kamakura. So I'll draw his likeness out for you. And he draws an image of Tokiyuki, uh, although it's a little bit too angular. Uh, and then it, this gets passed out to be distributed uh, to people. Uh, Kusunoki, the guy who instructed Tokiyuki before, it's like, oh, hey, that kid. And fine, he has a bit of a laugh over that. Uh, and Moro now, the uh, very stern-faced kind of older guy that's part of the villain general group, beats up hit some Tengu scouts for, you know, getting fooled like idiots uh, as he's looking over this poster. And he says that he's going to have to take direct command of the Tengu. Sasaki's uh, daughter, Mima, shows up. Uh, and she sees a copy of the drawing that her father made and is like, oh, hey, it's the Hojo brat, right? Wait a minute. Oh. I know that Hojo oh. brat. <laughs> and she gets a dark look on her face, to which I say, yay, a character we bonded with is going to potentially <laughs> do something. <laughs> and then we get a sequence that I do actually really like, which is that uh, Takaoji, uh, you know, he's just, you know, in his den, just doing his stuff, reviewing scrolls and news and stuff like that. Uh, he gets some word uh, from his brother about the defense of Kamakura, saying that he needs to send elite fighters over to Kanto. But then he gets the word of Hojo Tokiyuki, and he sees the image, and he remembers that there was a kid that he met a couple of years ago, and there's this image of like, you know, Hojo Tokiyuki, no data found. And gradually it like pixelates in and becomes clearer and clearer to his memory of the boy that he confronted. And we get a narration saying, for the first time, the hero recognized the boy. And Takaoji says, we ride for Kamakura. So. Exciting stuff. I like the little, the way the revelation is done. Yeah. Finally, I pay uh, attention to you. Yeah, uh, it's a strong closing to the chapter, uh, and I'm glad that we're kind of getting away from this battle because, let's face it, the villains that were involved, 
we just didn't really care about any of them. Um, and now we're past that. So good stuff. Yeah. All right. So there's no Black Clover this week. Uh, Black Clover is taking a break. And we'll be back next week. Just as One Piece, we'll be taking a break next week. Uh, but not this so, week. Got to be clear. Not this week. We do have One Piece to talk about. Chapter 1064. Egghead Labaface. <laughs> This is the most, this is the bleachiest ass title I think we've gotten for One Piece in a while. What the fuck does that mean? So, uh, we actually don't cut away immediately from the battle between Blackbeard and Law. We're like a significant portion of it actually unfolds here. Um, as, you know, Law issues orders to his men to try and get away while he fights uh, Blackbeard. The very first thing he does is use his room ability to cut stronger in half uh, with his awakened ability. Blackbeard responds by causing a freaking earthquake with his uh, devil fruit ability. As they fall to the ground, Doc Q uh, says, damn it, are you dead stronger? As And stronger replies with, with me. And he says, too bad, you were a good horse. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Uh, Doc Q throws about, out a bunch of bombs, but they're countered by Amphibian Beast, uh, that six-star monster with 2,400 attack. I know that card. That's not who it is, though. Come on, Nick. You know these characters. I do not. What about uh, on the next page? There's a big attack against Law. Uh, well, uh, that is uh 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 Bart. there you go there you go because beppo says his name do you remember where he's from uh skypea no what because he's got the i don't know he we, we met him during the shinabadi archipelago arc he was he was uh freed from the slave auction the slave house Come on, Nick. I I, I used... don't know if I ever actually finished reading those chapters. I put him in my One Piece characters list, so and that's why I don't know who he is. Quinn, come on, not Quinn. Yami Yugi. What are you talking but about? You just you just said that you made. Never mind. You were always dealing with Yami Yugi all these years. That's why anytime we've ever played a game, I've always beaten you. Dual monsters, go. Probably every time we've ever played Left for Dead, it's all washed from for me. I don't know about that, but uh, so Augur tries to snipe Law, but Jumbar gets in the way uh, and just shields him with his guard ability, which he can do mm -hmm. because I know that ability of Jumbar's. Anyway. Uh, I think he's just strong. On. It's not an ability. He's just like a big, tough dude. Okay. You can stop bullets. <laughs> he's tough. Uh, Law, meanwhile, sticks his sword into Blackbeard's body and go and uses his shock wheel ability 
And I love that for a brief moment before it goes off, Blackbeard's like, what is this? (laughs) It's maybe my favorite thing is that Blackbeard is like the strongest, most terrifying character in this series. And he gets his shit pushed in every time he's in a fight. Like, it's always just him like, oh, oh, it hurts so much. But he'll he'll fucking connive his way out of every situation he's in. Uh, so that happens. Uh, he gets knocked on his ass, and Augur has literally an ellipses moment. Uh, and he's like, <sighs> <laughs> he warps over to Blackbeard, and while standing on his, you know, falling backwards body, he says, "Should we return to the ship, Commodore?" And Blackbeard's like, "No, we stay on the offensive." <laughs> and uh, he, you know, goes back down to the ground. Uh, and Law is like, oh, so so like all your officers have abilities now, huh? I mean, that means you all have the same weakness to the sea. But Blackbeard points out, like, the benefits are worth the risk. That's how devil fruits work. And then uh, <laughs> fucking Law's ship just like torpedoes Blackbeard's ship from below. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> They're attacking us from the water. <laughs> I didn't know that they were this good at fighting in the water with their submarine. What the fuck? <laughs> this is bullshit. Also, um, Pudding's there because he's been captured by the Blackbeard Pirates, which may have been established at some point. I don't remember it. Nick, uh, <laughs> it was established this chapter. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> if you go back like five pages to the cover page. I know. But I meant that point. I was like, oh, Pudding was captured by the Blackbeard Pirates. No. Oh, she showed up in the main storyline. No, this, this is the first <laughs> time it was shown, but it is worth noting this is also sort of the conf- – not confirmation because we found out about this during, like, Dress Rosa, but that Aokiji is working with the Blackbeard Pirates. It's kind of unclear mm-hmm. to what degree, uh, but he's there working with the Blackbeard Pirates. So yep. it is kind of like the visual confirmation of that. Yep. I've got. I don't have a marine uniform anymore. Yeah. I just got this sick black cloak. He quit. He's 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 finding his own path now, and that's evil. Or, or is being it? a secret agent. It could be either of them. Mm, it's probably is. a secret agent thing. Yeah, but they do do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Pudding seems uh, pretty confident, despite having been captured, because uh, she's like, "Hey, you know, if, if Mom is still alive, then uh, you guys aren't going to be talking shit much longer." And they're like, "We're fighting a guy who killed Big Mom." <laughs> Well, put her in the volcano that killed Big Mom, I guess. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, the fight keeps on going, uh, and we don't see the end of it again. Uh, Blackbeard uses his Black Vortex ability, and we immediately cut from there. Akainu is listening in on the battle, and he expresses frustration that uh, they're just sitting and waiting for the fight to conclude, which is like, ah, sucks being a fleet admiral sometimes. Someone and uh, made a point because this is this has been a while now. Aquino has just been kind of sitting off to the side and like being annoyed by things. It's almost like it does kind of make sense for the guy with vol- like lava powers to essentially be like a volcano that is slowly building up pressure. And eventually mm. this dude's going to go fucking nuts at some point. So I, I do. Mm. I do like that. That reading of it. Yeah. Get uh, way more important character deaths added to his tally. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the future island Egghead, Salufi's group has evaded the pacifista, not by actually running away or by punching him until he stops coming after them. 
but by Bonnie using her ability to make everyone look older. Well, except herself. She, and, she was like and Jimbei. She made Jimbei and herself look like kids, and Luffy and Chopper get older. Oh, the hair confused me. Yeah. Uh, but that makes sense because Jimbei's smaller. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, disguise them, uh, and we we specifically get a new introduction for Luffy, which says Luffy age seventy in a different future, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Jimbei brings up like, hey, so sorry. I have to put it this way, Bonnie. But uh, whatever I've heard about Bartolomeo Kuma is that he was the wicked king of the Sorbet Kingdom until the people drove him off and he became a pirate. <laughs> so he was such an evil king that everyone drove him away. Also, he was affiliated with the, with the Revolutionary Army. Then the Navy captured him, sentenced him to life in prison. Vegapunk thought that his muscle and latent abilities were great. And so in exchange for taking part in body augmentation and clone development, he was allowed to return to freedom as a warlord. Uh, and so he recaps all that stuff. Bonnie has a lightsaber now. Uh, and she says, look, I get, I get all the like clone soldier development and warlord stuff. But the fact that he was turned into a cyborg is essentially a death sentence. Who would ever make such a deal if they knew the consequences from the start? Kuma, apparently. Yeah. I think that's been because that's been hinted before. So he, he did seem to be okay with his his fate, viewing it as some some manner of a, like sort of like a penance or like this is what he had to do. Yes. Um and uh Jimbei wonders to have been sentenced to life in prison, uh just how many crimes must Kuma have committed? Uh, he refers to him as Kuma the Tyrant, which gets Bonnie pissed off. She takes a big practice swing of the lightsaber and breaks some shit. And she says, like, my father hated the world government and he would never work with them. And they experimented on him by force. Uh, Luffy's like, you've got a laser sword. That's great. <laughs> but he's old Luffy, too. Uh, and uh, but she says, like, look, uh, all this stuff, it's just the remains of Vegapunk's inventions and this is murder in the name of science. My father told me that he was from a special people, but so what? That doesn't give them the right to force experiments on him. It doesn't give them the right to kill him. And she and, she uh, says that in the, the infamous boobs and butt uh, pose where you, you make sure yep. you get a, a little bit of both. She's strapping the lightsaber to her belt. That's why the shot is angled uh-huh. that way. You gotta, you gotta get both. You gotta like turn this way, and then you gotta keep pushing it out. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta just snap your spine and get both. That's right. Uh, she also returns everyone to their ordinary ages as they're getting set to move off. And then we cut over to Team Sunny, the the group that's been left with Thousand Sunny. Uh, the robots now carrying their ship up into the air now that Vegapunk 2 is not trying to take all their stuff. Uh, and of course, people are like, oh my god, this robot's got a giant jetpack and it can fly, holy shit. It's the coolest uh, thing in the world. Uh, people look over the side of the, the ship and they can see monsters down on the ground and the futuristic city and everything like that. Uh, and then we get the big proper introduction for Future Island Egghead. Where atop the clouds is the Labophase, where the research happens. And below is the Fabrio phase, the factory level. Um, yep. Uh, so uh, most of the group heads off, but uh, Zoro and Brooke specifically are staying behind to watch the ship. Uh, Zoro saying, and I don't trust that woman anyway. Fair enough. I, 
I love that these are the two that stay behind um, because it's like uh, people joke like a page later like Brooke stays behind and like a page later Nami and Robin are basically wearing just underwear and it's just him like no I missed it good point good point uh, so yeah the island is divided into two layers and one of them sits on the clouds that come from like a, a smokestack on the first level so they're bouncing around on clouds and stuff they head into the entrance to the lab and we get you know a little bit more information on like the shoes and stuff which are like oh yeah you stick your feet in these shoes and they actually just shrink down to your level uh, and so everyone's got the Astro Boy boots now uh, everyone gets new outfits and yes all of the girls gotta have the there's no pants. Line. There's no pants no. in Science Land, Nick. That just oh, doesn't work. Crotch. Um, yep. That's just how it works. Now, there's two issues with this. Uh, one, Nami's just wearing the same thing as as Boney, just uh, with white instead of black. That's not great. Robin, this is like near identical to the outfit she wore when they were sneaking into Onigashima. So this just feels She's like we got horns now. Yeah, I was like, this feels like a gigantic waste of potential for like drawing future design. Now the one good thing I'll note, apparently Vegapunk just has a setting that's like uh, a fucking Hawaiian shirt because <laughs> Sanji also has gotten one. He's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I do like the idea that there's there's essentially three styles of clothing. There's like full body jumpsuits, uh, sexy lady future no clothes, and then Hawaiian shirts. And uh, there you go. It's a shame because I do actually quite like the sleeves on Robin's new jacket. Mm. Um, but yeah, then it's like, oh, yeah, that's about 30% of a cool outfit. And yeah. <laughs> um, also, Frankie has a freaking wind up key on his head that seemingly comes over his eyes. I don't know about this. Uh, yeah, and uh, everyone's like, oh man, look at all this stuff, you know, and, uh, and everyone's admiring their clothes. And then finally, we close the chapter with a conversation between Vegapunk 1 and someone else on over a transponder snail. As uh, they say, as uh, Vegapunk 1 says, I suspect my death is imminent, so I wanted you to hear me out, dragon. Woo! see big things let's see big things hopefully yeah well we i guess yeah it involves the revolutionary army so it's gotta be big right it's gotta like a thing's gotta happen with them yeah i mean this you know. why why is the leader of like a world government supplying scientists talking with the leader of the revolutionaries this is salacious Wait a minute. as the kids say vegapunk's the one who designed kuma hmm <sighs> wonder if that's all connected did somehow maybe good stuff good stuff all right oh i think then we'll uh start to wind down here then yeah. quinn sorry king of games yeah. yes what was your favorite chapter this week and who was your mvp my favorite series was that undead unluck it enchanted me and my favorite series or character was of course buzzsaw shark with 1600 attack points and a lot of effects stuff your target one water monster special summon from your deck and defend this guy he's my favorite <laughs> and if you don't want to put him then fuko fair enough i am going to go with i think we're gonna go with ginga and luna as my favorite uh, series this week there was 
I mean, Under Luck was, yes, very good. I'm used to that at this point, however. Uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of great chapters uh, this week. Uh, I did enjoy Giga and Luna all the way through. There was a lot of nice character developing stuff. In terms of my favorite character, I am going to go with, I had it here and I've forgotten it. I've forgotten it. I've forgotten who it was. Yami Yugi, say it. No. You could say no. it. I was in the series. There he is. It's uh, my favorite character this week was Shoji because he did a thing. Holy shit. <laughs> Actually, mine probably should be Shoji too, but I don't want to change it. So you're going to stick with Buko. Who, why would I make a boo pun? You did one earlier today. No, I didn't. I made a Protect Me Shukamaru pun. They're different. But it also had a boo in it for some reason. Yes. All right. Listen, <laughs> King of Games Yami Yugi, we got we to gotta wrap this show down. Uh, so I'm just going to So say, I can go back to winning the Battle City Tournament. It hasn't happened yet? Time is like a perpetual cycle. I'm always in the Battle City Tournament, and also it hasn't started, and also it's been long done. I mean, it is, I guess it is pretty peak yu gi yeah. yeah. So I'll have to see if I can defeat all of Merrick's big lieutenants. Odin! Besides <laughs> name. Rare Hunter. One and that two. <laughs> and one of them was just called Rare Hunter. That's correct. And the rest. I think I fight... Make no. Joey did. Joey fought real people. I fought weirdos. Yep. Yes, that's correct. Yes, it was a uh, rare hunter. Uh, Jingle Jangle Arcana. Man. Arcana. No. Or Arcana. He was fancy mage man. Then okay. Jingle Jangle Man, and I took from Drings. him Slifer, Drings. the Sky Dragon. That's not this. This is Kyrio Shin's it. Dark Reef again. But... And then it was Loomis and Umbra. The tag. I don't remember them. They wore masks. They. Uh... No, not ringing a bell. Okay, so it, so it's in between. So it's just after you got Slife for the Sky Dragon is the is the version of Yami Yugi we're talking. So no, I don't think I would fight weirdos like that. I would just say no and beat them up. <laughs> I'd use my gun. <laughs> this, is a, this is an additional <laughs> turn on things you had not alluded to before. I always win, Nick. I always win. Yes, and if I don't, I shoot them. <laughs> Guys, that's gonna do the audience, one. by the way, picked Undead Unluck and Akane as their series and chapter of the week. Pretty good picture. Okay. I was gonna do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week. Uh, we record this show, this insane show that we do every week here on twitch.tv slash live Wednesday evening, starting usually around 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, to stay updated on when exactly the show goes live, however, you can follow us on Twitter and social media at RolloT, at NickFTime, at WMR Podcast uh, is where all the announcements go out, as well as over our Discord server. Join our Discord server, join our wonderful community as they discuss chapters as they come out week to week. Uh, the recommendation as it gets dropped. Use it to find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i, where you can make your own recommendations for future series for us to read. Uh, ask us questions for a future Q&A episode. Take part in polls uh, for, you know, MVP and favorite chapter each week and all sorts of other wonderful stuff. We would like to give special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We create bonus content for you guys to enjoy over there. Patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. 
You can also check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash recap where you can see not just the video version of the show, but the opening sequence done for us by Milo Jack Slitz and Winslet Cheddar. You can also see the tile cards done for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can see on at twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. And anywhere else he has an account, I don't know all of them. He has various outlets for his for his artwork. He's a clock tech. Boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> Never heard that variation of it coming up guard uh and uh yeah that's uh the, the you also listen to the podcast on a bunch of different outlets uh weekly is where you can find the full archive of the audio version of the show as well as on spotify itunes and other uh podcast outlets but uh kick of games yami yugi uh if you can like i don't know tell me what quinn wants us to read next uh, that, that, that that'd be nice fuck Something quinn like she sucks she's not me I want us to read a manga that's awesome, that's good, that is excellent, and that is the king of games. That's why our next recommendation will be Yu-Gi-Oh! We've already read Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh! Well then fuck it, GX then! I don't give a shit! I guess we're gonna read Yu-Gi-Oh! GX! Now. Do, do, do. I play seven cards face down. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. You activate my trap card by being stupid. Do. 